Welcome to Hashtag Creative Inspo Seconds Courage. My name is Daisy and I'm the founder of Alchemist Portraits and Productions, a creative agency specializing in editorial portraiture and mobile short films. I'm here to help share real live stories of when people took inspired action to get them to do that thing. Career pivots, trying something terrifying, discovering new layers of themselves. They took that seconds of courage towards a more fulfilling life. This podcast is here to inspire you to recognize the possibilities are endless and within your reach too. Hey, Creative Inspo fam, and welcome back to another episode. Thank you for allowing me to be in your ears yet again. So I haven't talked about this enough, but hashtag creative inspo, Seconds of Courage, has been around for one year. I can't believe it. It's been such a ride. And I know for some of you creatives out there, I know you want to start a podcast. Don't lie. You all have something you want to share. So I'm just going to take a couple minutes and share some insight into what this podcasting journey has been like for me. Currently, we have approximately 22 episodes out there with close to 800 downloads and listeners in 12 different countries. That just blows my mind, the capacity of how far a podcast can take your voice. The best part, of course, has been meeting all of these guests who I would have never imagined meeting. And also getting to know you guys, the audience, and what you've enjoyed and the feedback that you've shared on what these episodes have meant for you has been incredibly heartwarming, to say the least. So thank you. And maybe you're not thinking of starting a podcast. Maybe you have a story that you want to share. You could always connect with me. Again, I'm easy to find on Instagram. My handle is creativeinspo underscore daisy and Email is hello at appwordpro.ca so you can contact me both those ways. And also you might be thinking, nah, I don't have a story to share. I'm not famous. I haven't made a shit ton of money. But people, that's not what it's about. What it's about is the journey getting to where you're going, sharing those golden nuggets, right? So trust me when I say someone in this world needs to hear a story of yours because you definitely have something to share. We all do. In today's episode, I'm speaking to someone who at a relatively young age, in her mid-20s, decided that the job she chose became something she dreaded doing. She invested time for herself to find things that made her happy, feel joy, and literally light up that spark in her eye. 
I just want to emphasize here that it literally doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're in your mid-20s or you've had to postpone doing what you love because of priorities that were outside of your control, or like me, where I was stuck in a 15-year career and I couldn't see my way out until I did. We are the only person standing in our way of our own happiness. And this special guest, Melanie Shields, gives us perspective on how she chose her path, even with all the unknowns and obstacles in the way. Here's her story. Hey, my name is Melanie. In 2019, I decided to leave my job as a dental assistant to pursue a career in pastry. I applied to a local culinary school, got in, and began preparing when COVID hit. By the time the pandemic hit, I was two weeks into a new job in a commissary kitchen. I had just left my job as a dental assistant and was scared, but mostly thrilled. I was getting my hands dirty, trying to prove to myself that I was ready for this change. Then the cafe and the rest of the world shut down. I went back to dental after things opened up again and deferred my application to the following year in order to figure things out. I started selling cookies on Etsy and learned a lot about what goes into running a business from home. I seriously questioned my decisions during this period and in hindsight, I am so, so grateful for the pause that that year gave me. I wanted to convince myself that I could just take amateur classes or get a business license and sell locally and still keep my job. But I know myself too well. I had to be all in. So I took the plunge in 2021, went to school, got a job at the coolest bakery in Vancouver. And then six months in, I messed up my back. But as I'm discovering, this too has been a welcome and much, much needed learning experience. Thank you, Melanie, for your thoughts, your words, and your courage. I love how different the paths are. And this just goes to show that the paths are never linear. But best be damn sure your experience from one always gets you stronger for the next. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Melanie Shields. Now, full disclosure... This woman is pretty amazing. I've been watching and following her for a long time. And we are related. She is my sister-in-law. So there is that added kick to this whole conversation we're about to have today. And I'm so excited for her to be on because she's got quite the story to share. So welcome to the show, Melanie. Thanks, sis. So before we delve into your narrative that you shared, maybe we can start at the beginning in terms of you're in your Mm mid-20s. Yeah. And you chose the dental industry as your first career. Maybe you Mm want to walk us through that. What made you go that path? It was a pretty meandering path. Um, And it wasn't my first uh, choice either. So 
after high school, um, I went out to Newfoundland and spent a year studying um, anthropology and English literature with the, uh, I guess, goal of becoming a researcher in the field. So that meant that I would have to go all the way and get my PhD in uh, anthropology and become like this academic that I realized very quickly I just like, did not have the capacity for. So I came back to, I was living in Victoria at the time and was just thinking about like, what job can I do so that I don't have to work at Starbucks, which is also where I was working. And so I just asked like family who also work in the dental industry and they seemed to have sort of the work-life balance that I wanted. And I ended up being in that career for six years. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. so six years seems like so short, but yet so long in mm -hmm. that time frame. And I apologize. I forgot that you went to school for that. No, it's okay. So do I sometimes, honestly. <laughs> I just so always, you know, yeah, of late, you've been in the dental industry. So yeah. what was that like for you working there for six years? What did you learn? What were your biggest challenges? There were ups and downs, uh, particularly in the beginning, because I think I always had like a bit of a resistance to doing this. It felt like I had gone from like having this dream of being a <laughs> researcher for in in the field of anthropology and then going into like a job that I wasn't really passionate about and was just, I was only ever looking at it as a means to an end. And in the beginning, especially, I worked at a lot of places that were, I would say like, quite toxic. There was a lot of like, as a dental assistant or as a hygienist, usually um, those roles are uh, female roles and the dentist is a male. And there's like this strange hierarchy that I was never comfortable with until I met the dentist who I ended up uh, assisting for the, for the last like four years of that career, who was and still is a the sweetest man and, and a really good friend. But ultimately, like I would come home and just wasn't able to identify this at the time, but just feel so empty and so unfulfilled in what I was doing, even though it is an important job and you're helping a lot of people. It's a very intense environment to be in. And as someone who has struggled with like depression and anxiety for my entire life, sort of like confronting people in their most like anxious state uh, was overwhelming a lot of the time for me because people come into a dental office with a whole history and baggage of either being hurt in the past, like through, um, because like the history, history of dental is that like, you didn't used to have numbing agents. And a lot of our practices are unfortunately that you need to recreate pain in order to diagnose what's going on. And that is inherently such an uncomfortable thing for a person to go through. And so I had to learn to be able to be with people in that state while also having to manage like my own anxiety. And so I would just come home and like not be able to um, 
like discharge that sort of energy, you know, and just be filled with dread about going back to work and oh being in environment the next day. It was, it was dark. It got dark. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. I, you don't commonly hear people saying, yay, I have a dentist appointment. Exactly. Yeah. What means did you find to, did you find means rather to discharge that energy, so to speak? Yeah. Um, eventually, I suppose. Ev- eventually. Yes. Yeah. It took a while that I started um, just trying to find something that I was interested in. And for a long time, that was um, music. I started playing guitar. I was going to guitar lessons and starting to express myself in that way. Um, and then baking, (laughs) baking became the thing that I sort of fell back onto, which had been sort of a constant throughout my life. But, uh, once the pandemic hit, I really like got into it and started thinking about it more as an option for a career because I, I was just not interested in going back to dental and feeling the way that I had been feeling for so long. Wow. So that's very courageous share of yours to have. So thank you for that. I'd like to know since the majority of my audience, because it shows us statistically, they're usually like 35, 40s. (laughs) So you are of um, in the younger, younger category. Um, I'd like to know from your point of view, what is it like for somebody in their 20s and career choices? Do you feel pressure to to know what you want to do and have everything set? Or do you feel like there are so many options and you can go any which way and that there's time? I'm just curious to know. Uh, I think if you had asked me a few years ago, I would have thought like that there were only a few avenues that you could take and, and that you would have to be so lucky to be able to find something that you enjoy doing and be able to make money at that. That is something that I never uh, would have thought was available to me. And I still think that that is that I am in such like a privileged position to be able to be pursuing something that I can make a living off of. And also that I feel passionately about and that, you know, fills my cup in that way. But I find it really encouraging that there are people out there who make career changes or life changes of any kind so late in their life. Like there's, you're, there's always time, like you're out of time when you're dead and I'm not there yet. So uh, I can, I can change my mind anytime I want to. Um, And that's really encouraging. When I was in high school and like around that time, trying to make really big life decisions that felt daunting and impossible. And I was blessed to have a lot of very, very smart, cool, intelligent friends who seemed to know what they wanted to do. And some of those friends have, you know, fulfilled their plan but a lot of them haven't. And that's also encouraging. So seeing people my age go through the same, like growing pains of figuring out, you know, what I thought I wanted when I was 17 Mm -hmm. isn't what I want anymore. And I'm going to make a change. Yeah. So that's, um, humbling to know that even now with, are you considered a millennial or 
Senior? What, what do you consider? I think I'm a millennial, yeah. <laughs> You're a millennial. So yeah, it's it's heartwarming to know that, you know, it's kind of like the mode of humans to to come to that point eventually where they reflect in what they're doing and they do find that courage to be like, okay, this isn't working for me or for you, you know, you dreaded going to work the next day. So chatting about the next phase of your life and baking. So pandemic wise, would you say that kind of, because everybody, as we can recall, flour was sold out, yeast was sold out. So were you one of those? I, you know what? I wasn't (laughs) on that bandwagon. Okay. Um, (laughs) Which mild regret honestly it seems like a cultural like renaissance that I didn't get to be a part of but (laughs) during that (laughs) during that time I was actually selling cookies on Etsy I started doing that just to sort of like you know because I think of myself as like a generally kind of impulsive person especially when I am a little bit sad a little bit depressed um I will sort of make snap decisions that for like a life altering change like you know bangs or give me some of that (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah and and so I had planned to go to uh, pastry school in late 2019. Um, And then the pandemic hit and that was no longer an option. And so I kind of went through the whole phase of like, oh, maybe this is the universe telling me I shouldn't do this or or, uh, I'm like being redirected in some way and I should just like sort of do it as a hobby and just leave it at that. But I found kind of a surprising amount of success on Etsy and just wanted to like dive into doing it on my own to prove to myself that I was still interested in making this career change and that this is is the direction that I wanted to go. And so I ended up deferring my application to the pastry school for, I guess, the next year. So I went in 2021 and that year of like pause and exploration of what am I interested in? Is it cookies? Is it bread? Is it chocolate? Is it this or that? Um, Just did nothing but cement the idea that this is exactly what I wanted to do. And then fast forward into pastry school, it felt like a game show and it was a lot of fun. I, for the first time in a long time, felt happy and like inspired and um especially after a year of isolation and existential dread like going to school and being um excited to be there was was a really really cool uh opportunity and honestly if it ended there I would have been happy but I'm so glad that it's like continuing I remember you telling me that one of your assignments was you needed you guys had to plan a high tea I'm like, yeah, that sounds fabulous. Can I go to yeah. that school? <laughs> I highly recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, what was cool about it, and I actually see this as more like it's both a pro and a con, is that it was only a four-month program. So, of course, I didn't learn as much as I would have if I went to school for like two or three years. But they kind of touch on 
everything like week by week and you get to really just sort of dip your toe in, in the water or whatever. Um, and a lot of the assignments were very, uh, I guess, individually um, directed. So you would get to choose your flavors, your colors, your themes, like whatever you wanted to present in your like high tea service or uh, during finals, it was a plated dessert, like, uh, what's the term? Not high fashion. I'm looking at you and thinking about fashion, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> High baking. I don't know. High baking. Let's call it that. Oh, wait. That sounds different. There's a different meaning to high baking. We're not going there. (laughs) No. Fine, fine dining. That's what it is. We had to create uh, like very fancy plated desserts. And that was just a, a thing that I never, ever would have even attempted if I didn't go to school. It's not something I ever thought that I would be capable of. And that's what... I really love about uh, the school that I went to is that they encourage not only like the technical skill and the desire to learn those things, but also like the inspiration to uh, break out of those rules and, and see what you're capable of. Can I just see how much I admire you? So, you know, normally people go to school and then start a business you started a business and then went to school in terms of uh, finding that courage. I mean, like you did say you have you make snap decisions and whatnot, but people hum and haw about starting businesses all the time. They have to research, they have to find other people to mentor them, but you just like went for it. So um, aside from your snap judgment, um, how were you able to successfully pursue that? Um, I don't know how successful it was. I mean, it was pretty <laughs> successful, I would say. It was. I was very surprised that the bulk of my orders came from like Eastern Canada. I'm like, how are you even finding me? Yeah. So bizarre. Like, did you have a marketing um, plan? No. Yeah. Like truly no plan. <laughs> um, I, I used Instagram to, uh, promote what I was making. I would sort of think of new flavors and try them out on my coworkers, uh, to see if they flew. Um, and then I made a bulk order for like boxes. Um, I chose like the heavy, like indestructible boxes to be shipping cookies across Canada. I didn't want them to get smooshed. Um, and that's about it. And honestly. Etsy is a pretty intuitive platform and it's like very easy to uh, set everything up. You can do it in in one day. So I think if I were to do it again, I would put a lot more effort into the back end of things. In terms of, yeah, just even getting your feet wet, you know, you, I remember you started even a cookie subscription mm-hmm. and, you know, that probably propelled you to find the confidence to go into pastry school as well and like go in there with like new eyes, new open ideas and in terms of what you can do with your career. So currently not selling on Etsy, but you have the experience of being a business owner, which now you can take forward. So you're done pastry school. Where are you at now? 
I work at a bakery in Vancouver. Yeah. Can I say their name? Yeah. Florist. I work at Florist. Florist. Okay. So F L O U R, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. I am. Smart. <laughs> yep. That was like my first email was Flower Girl, but it was the baking no. flower. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's aside. Uh, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> You're at Flowers, one of the most awesome bakeries in Vancouver. What is that like for you? I am still pinching myself that it's real. I honestly can't believe it. They are a female-owned bakery and mill in Vancouver. And what's so cool about them is they're focused on creating sustainable food systems, which means keeping keeping it in Canada or as local as possible. So they source as much as many ingredients from local farms uh, in BC and also across Canada. So a lot of their grains come from farmers in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and they come directly to the bakery and we mill the grain on site, which for me as a new baker was Mind blowing. The one that we have on site, they have a warehouse, but then we also have uh, a mill inside the bakery and the one on site is I believe I've been told it's like 100 or something around there years old it's a fully like wooden uh, machine with two stones that um, mill the grain by like rotating on one on top of the other oh so cool We use that flour to make sourdough and uh, various different pastries. I just think it's so cool to be working in a place that is trying to make a difference in the baking scene. Because if I may talk about the history of bread for a moment. um, (laughs) Bread, like bread spans all cultures all civilizations have a bread it is the it sustains life it is called or was called the staff of life right fast forward to modern day we have all of these very uh factory produced nutrient devoid breads what a lot of whole grain bakers are trying to do now is to tell that story tell that history and make sure that people are aware that you probably don't have a gluten intolerance. You are malnourished from the white bread that you're consuming, of course, because it has nothing in it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And I love bread. Yeah, you should. <laughs> it's it's delicious and quite nutritious as long as it's uh, made the right way. So um, I'm just thinking of bread now. Sorry. good thoughts thoughts to have um I love that you provided that history because I don't really think yeah a lot of people put much thought into the types of bread they're buying except for like you said there are so many gluten allergies out there Mm -hmm. so that is really eye-opening to know that um it's not necessarily gluten perhaps Perhaps. I mean, celiac disease is a whole different thing. Um, It's the absence of the uh, follicles that are needed to actually digest gluten. It's a real, a real disease. But I think it just became trendy for people to buy gluten free items, just like 
you know, various different diets are, are trendy, uh, whether it's keto or paleo or whatever else, Mm -hmm. goji berries were all the rage at one point I remember. Right. And like all of these things are of course, um, a part of the puzzle of nutrition. Um, but I think that we get tripped up on, one ingredient or one nutrient and we fail to see the the larger picture. So um, the source of it, Mm -hmm. where it came from holistically. So yeah, the breads that you produce at Flower Risk then, um, would you say that people who do have gluten allergies can eat it and tolerate it? Um, Probably. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So Many of the breads that we do still sift some of our flour, which means to remove the bran um, and provide white flour for the customers who want it, um, just because it's like recognizable. It's what people know. Um, and if it gets them in the door and we can have this conversation, then that's a win. Right. But a lot of our breads are a mix of different uh, whole grains. And we also naturally leaven, which means just to use uh, sourdough. And so the, the function of sourdough is that it will like almost partially digest um, some of the gluten before it's even baked. And that is a lot gentler on most anybody's guts than like pure white uh, bread is. So again, if you have celiac, no grain is going to be okay with you. You can't digest gluten. But um, if you find that you're gluten sensitive or you have a bit of an allergy, um, then yeah, almost definitely a whole grain sourdough will be beneficial for you. Okay. It's like going to the <laughs> bread doctor. <laughs> Can I get my prescription, please, for what type of bread I should eat? Because I can't live without it. <laughs> I love it. Or should you? Yeah. Yeah. And you said women owned business. That's pretty cool. We'll just shout out women owned businesses. (laughs) 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 All right. So I'm going to talk about your Instagram handle, Mel's Baked. What would you call yourself? What would you ultimately like to call yourself? Because I've heard a a couple of terms thrown around pastry, chef, baker. Um. I certainly don't feel like I've earned the title of chef and uh, as like a term of respect in, in the kitchen, we call each other chef all the time, which still surprises me every time somebody calls me that. Um, So I don't think I'm ready. Melanie, your name. Sometimes or just like, Hey chef, chef, pass me the olive oil or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't feel like that's quite earned yet. I think, uh, I would call myself a baker. I'm a baker. Okay. Love it. And who would you say was your greatest influence, um, with your love of baking? It's hard to think of one person. I really can't think of anyone before. Like, of course I watched you know, YouTube videos and grew up watching the Food Network. <laughs> but um, like as of late, my my instructors at school and the head baker of Florist at the moment is 
just so incredibly passionate and um, knowledgeable about all things bread, pastry, food in general. And also, I kind of came into uh, the food industry thinking that it would be somewhat similar to like a hell's kitchen situation. I thought that it would be like emotionally intense and I would just have to get used to that. And that has not been my experience whatsoever because of the headbaker at this place. Tommy, hello. You're great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He just like, he makes sure that it is an egoless space and that we're all working towards the same goal, uh, which is to you know, create delicious and uh, nutritious food for the masses. And his point too about like sort of converting people from white bread to, to whole grain is that regardless of all the nutrition and ethical implications of it, it just tastes better. And I love that approach. Like he just, he lets the product speak for itself. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I need to go buy some bread. Sorry. Yes, please. <laughs> um, so circling back to your narrative as well, you kind of left us on a bit of a cliffhanger. You were mm-hmm. saying that um, you had hurt your back and then you were out for six months when you had started this wonderful new job. So in terms of start and stops that are completely out of your control, How would you say uh, you were able to find motivation to get going again? Or actually tell us, tell us what happened. You want to share? So I think what happened was ultimately just, I went from a very sedentary job to a very active job without much preparation. So I ended up hurting my back, which was a, very scary uh, encounter, but it wasn't new either. I had experienced the same pain a year prior and didn't really think anything of it. I just thought like, you know, I'll just stop trying to lift heavy weights and it'll go away. And it did. But then it came back once I started uh, getting a lot more active in my job and sort of constantly having to carry heavy loads and stuff like that. And so I finally was able to convince a doctor to take an x-ray of my back. And it turns out that I have something called spondylolisthesis, which um, is very, very common. It's just like your spine sort of shifts forward on another vertebrae and it can pinch nerves, which is what I was experiencing, uh, nerve pain down the legs and, and numbness in my hip. Um And originally I just like reduced my schedule and tried to uh, attend to it, but it wasn't until I found a really good physiotherapist that I was able to start gaining my strength back and uh, thinking about how can I make sure that this doesn't happen again, or if it does happen again, how can I mitigate the implications of it and not have to be off for, you know, two months. And what drove me to return to work was the love for it. Like, again, just 
it blows my mind that this was like a pretty impulsive decision, like I said, but I still continue to go back to it like relentlessly. I don't want to ever stop. I have so much to learn Mm -hmm. and so much to gain from this experience, whether I'm like hands-on or hands-off. Like I just want to know everything there is to know about food and bread and how can we make it better and how can we make it accessible to as many people as possible. And that's a motivation I've never had before. So where do you see yourself in five years from now? Would you like your own bakery? Eventually, I think so. Um, Not in five years. I think that I, in that five-year time frame, I would like to travel. I would like to work under as many talented people as I possibly can because I'm so brand new at this. Like I have, I have a lot of catching up to do uh, when it comes to, the skilled people in this industry who have been doing this since they were teenagers, right? I just want to seek out as many people in the industry as I can and learn from them. And I think there are some really cool opportunities to do that, uh, that I've already found and I'm trying to put feelers out for. (laughs) That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, And what is your favorite thing to bake? Actually not strictly baking but right now I'm very obsessed with bean to bar chocolate Mm. so it doesn't involve an oven except for in the roasting of the cocoa but um it is uh, a pastry uh you know skill and the process is so fascinating I think anything to me that takes as few ingredients as possible, but is very like technique dependent is the most interesting thing to me. And that's what both bread and chocolate are. And delicious. And delicious. Yeah. Can't can't leave that out. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that you would like to add or anything else that you would like to share in terms of, you can reflect back on your journey of, you know, changing careers or even like making quick decisions and you know you you're in a happy place so how can one someone like somebody in the audience listening to this who is afraid to change and make that decision to change careers what would you say to them uh do it scared don't wait till you're ready. You'll never be ready, especially if you're an anxious person. Like your anxiety will always tell you that it's not the right time and and that you, you'll you'll never make it. And you have to not necessarily quiet that voice, but just like understand that it's not the whole truth um, and that you can push through anxiety and maybe your anxiety is excitement, especially when it comes to something that you really want to do. And that like, I mean, look at my eyes when I talk about it, right? Like the things that light you up like this, don't ignore it. It's, it's, it's not to be ignored. Right. I love and surround that. yourself with people who have done it. Like my amazing, uh, sister-in-law who, <laughs> Changed careers and now has a podcast. What? <laughs> Around yourself with people like that. That's, that's the key. Thanks, Mel. I'm looking at your beautiful eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was so lovely to talk with you on our first rainy afternoon in Vancouver for I don't know how yeah. long. 
Um, it's happy nice fall. and cozy. Yeah, happy fall. Uh, where can the audience find you? I'm on Instagram at melz.baked. All right. And if you're in the area or if you plan on visiting Vancouver anytime soon, please visit Flowerist. Where are you located? We can have that in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, but yeah. 3433 Commercial Street. There we go. 3433. Yes. <laughs> Buy your nutritious bread. Thank you so much. Same. See you soon. Bye. Well. I bet you didn't realize that we were going to talk all things dentistry to baking to back injuries, but Melanie, your story is one of a beautiful human life's journey. It's colorful, it's twisted, and you're not even 30 yet, so I cannot wait, sister see what the rest of life has in store for you. Thank you again for being such an amazing guest. If you enjoyed this episode, reach out. Let me know on Instagram at creativeinspo underscore daisy or email. Our email is hello at appportpro.ca. That's hello at A-P-O-R-P-R-O dot C-A. Also, don't forget, you can follow Melanie Shields on Instagram at melds.baked. And in the show notes, I will have my favorite Melanie quotes. So don't forget to check that out as well. We will be back next time with another solo episode, another creative inspo message to you. And this one will be an interesting one. We're going to do a little bit of analyzing in all of life's areas. So be sure to join me for that. That's in a couple of weeks. And again, if you like this episode, please share it with one friend, like it, leave a review, follow us. We are available, as you know, on all podcast platforms. Till next week, dream it and do it. I'm cheering you on. is sponsored by all the dreamers and all the doers. Yeah, that's right. You guys are all making me do this shit. Yay!